Hey, welcome to the Football Outsiders Monday Wildcard Edition live stream uh, here on January 9th, 2023. Mike Tanier here with the boss, Aaron Schatz. And Aaron, I have a question for you. Yeah. If, if you were told that you had to go out and perform the national anthem before an important football game, how would you do it? Uh, I would sing and hope I hit all the notes. You just go out there and sing? Yeah. I got two thoughts. First thought, of course, we you saw you saw Jacksonville, man, right? You saw yes, Duval. absolutely, right. And you know that we were talking about this. Also. He is not. I thought when I saw him, I was like, oh, that must be the guitar player for the Zach Brown band, or the guitar player for some country band I am not familiar with. He was just a guitar player. He was just a guy. He played in like a bar band somewhere around Jacksonville, and they threw him out there to do national, and he shredded. He absolutely shredded. Yeah. So. I have two thoughts. The first thing is I would go out there with my bass guitar and I would play National Anthem by Radiohead. I don't know if you know that one. Dun, 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 bum, 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 bum. And see how long it took before somebody shut my microphone off? That's one thing. <laughs> so it wouldn't necessarily be our National Anthem. <laughs> it would be, I would play a National Anthem. The other thing is I would Shatner it because I am not going out there and singing. It would be a Roseanne situation. I would get canceled. But if I did Shatner spoken word, oh, say, can oh. you say? Yes. Yeah. Can you see? That's Don, it. Dawn's early life. <laughs> Perfect. Get a few gestures in there and we get it. Uh, I want to show you. <laughs> so, proudly. <laughs> yes. I wanted to show you this before we get started, too, man. I, I put this on Twitter the other day. Doing some cleaning. Yeah, that is old school, man. Book Look appearances. Look at this. Look, hold, 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 Aaron. That in first now. of all, that the book was called Pro Football Perspective. That we had a real publisher. That they mm -hmm. sent me around the country doing book appearances. That there yeah. were bookstores to do book appearances in. Yes, they existed. Yeah, somebody on Twitter was like, "What is a Barnes and Noble event? Is that like a live stream?" Yeah. <laughs> yes, and it's it's like a live stream in a store that sells blogs that were put on paper. That's what. That's how I. I tried to explain that, but um, the theme for uh, this week's show is sabotage. So listen, all y'all, it's sabotage. There's a couple There's your guitar song. <laughs> That's a great guitar song, especially if you don't know how to play. That's really. Go ahead. He would have kicked into that right after the national anthem. First sabotage question for you: Did Lovey Smith sabotage the Houston Texans on his way out the door? By winning on Sunday, he he kind of did, yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think he kind of did on purpose in that, you know, you can try to tank, but players and coaches, players in particular, have no incentive to tank at all, right? And coaches who think they're going to get fired have no incentive to tank, right? And they want to win games. So they are going to go out there and try to win games. And that is what happened because I think Lovey Smith knew he was gone. And so he kicked into his normal thought process, which is let's go win the game. Right. Right. And yeah, he is auditioning for his next job, whether it's in college, whether it's a coordinator or whether it's in a booth and going out with a bang, especially if you're going into the booth is a great way to go. Like, look, look what we did on our last game. Look at how much we're being talked about. Yeah, I mean, uh, it really dramatically changes the discussion about the draft. Yes. 
Because the Texans at number one was very simple. The Texans will take their best quarterback. Yes. The Bears will probably stay at number two, and they will probably take a defensive player. Easy peasy. Right. Now, the discussion is, would the Bears trade fields and draft a different quarterback, number one? Or do the thing that a lot of analytics people want them to do, which I don't think they will ever do. Okay. Which is draft a quarterback number one and have Fields and that quarterback compete for the job. No. I'm sorry. There is no one to throw to. There is no one blocking. That That's why I said I, I don't think that will happen. Or will right. they trade down, right. make keep Fields as their quarterback, and do things like draft receivers and yes. – Draft defensive players and, you know, for the worst defense in the league from this year and, you know, hopefully get a whole bunch of draft picks that they desperately need to improve their team. And it's complicated by the fact that, you know, I'm a great believer that you pretty much know after two years what you got in a quarterback. Right. right. And Fields, from the passing perspective, has been below replacement level for two years. He was the worst quarterback in the league passing this year in terms of total passing value. But, but, one, rushing value. Two, look at what he had around him. If ever there was a passing value doesn't tell you the whole story, bad quarterback in his first two years, it is Justin Fields. So I don't, I don't quite know what Chicago should do, but it is way more interesting this way. That's it. It's narratives win. Okay, because then, like, we have mock drafts that so we can do trades. I can spend weeks in February and March populating our website with speculation, et cetera. And that's what makes it fun. I think Jim is saying they should trade down. The Colts are sitting there. The Colts need a quarterback. Uh, I don't think they would have to trade down very much. I think that they could trade down. They would only need to trade down a couple of spots, and they would still pick up a haul. And, yes, Brian points out the fact that they traded their second-round pick for Chase Claypool, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, is not number 33. It's number 32 because the <laughs> Miami Dolphins pick was Voided. vacated. That's vacated. right. Vacated. vacated. So um, the fact that the Bears trade 32 for Chase Claypool uh, is weird. It's awful. It's awful. Chase Claypool, <laughs> I like to say Chase Claypool had a good game once. He had a couple, but he's not a first-round talent, and they had to know that that pick was going to be somewhere between 32 and 35. Like, I, you know. Right. Right. I mean, mean, sorry, Claypool, if you saw the trajectory of his career in Pittsburgh, everything coming out, he was kind of a fantasy binky. They should not have made that trade. But if you get to a team like the Colts now, you're right. They they should be able to get value to go down two or three spots to still Jalen Carter territory, still Will Anderson territory, and then get – (laughs) <laughs> Jim Chase Claypool is lighting up the board here, folks. Uh, Claypool had 14 home receptions in seven games after the trade. 14. And I believe like three or four of them were in the last two games when there was nothing else to play for. Right. Um, one, one, one possibility useful title points out is they could trade with the Texans. Yes. They could drop to number two yes. and pick up stuff and still get Will Anderson or Jalen Carter and pick up stuff. Right, and and the Texans have a second first rounder, so you could mess around now. Maybe you have to give something back. I don't know. Going down one spot, the other first rounder. So many interesting things you could do. It's there. much more interesting now. 
Right. And and Lovey helping his old team by hurting his old team. That's what we call sabotage. Another one, and this has sort of died down, but I put it on the list. Did Brandon Staley nearly sabotage the Chargers by playing his starters in the finale? And it looks like we, we've got a clearer picture. And like Mike Williams are calling it back spasms now. Joey Bosa, it's a, he's claiming he was just being taken out for rest anyway. Um, what's your take on how the Chargers handled things? I think the Chargers got lucky. <laughs> okay. I think when you have nothing left to play for in the final week, I think maybe you put your players in for a couple of series yeah. in order to just keep them in rhythm. But by the time you hit the second quarter or certainly the second half, mm-hmm. you want them out. Right. Like Tampa Bay played Brady. I don't think they took him out. I think they took him out before halftime. Mm-hmm. But sometime in the second quarter, they took out Brady. Yeah. And that way Brady got his time. He got his right. rhythm. Mm-hmm. why they didn't do too much to risk a, an injury. Right. So I, I don't understand Brandon Staley's uh, I don't understand Brandon Staley's uh, strategy on this because he did eventually take everyone out, but not until the fourth quarter. Right, right. And not until you have those injury scares. And Staley was a never play the starters in the preseason guy. So I, I guess I'd love to just see consistency of thought there. Right. Why the, would you play your starters in this meaningless game and not in that meaningless right. game? Right. For example, for Brady, has always been fastidious about wanting to get in and get his work. He's like very fanatical about it. Yes. So Brady says, I, I need my my damn quarter. You give him his damn quarter because he's Brady, but then you get him out of there. It's always consistent. He plays in the preseason. He does all that. It's weird to go back and forth like that. Yeah, and everybody noticed it. It was what everybody was talking about on Twitter was, why are these guys still in? Why are these guys still in? Why are these guys still in? Right, right. You don't want to put yourself out there like that and risk an injury, which is what Staley did. Fortunately, I'd rather see a Chargers team in full strength. I'd rather see Mike Williams and Joey Bosa out there. So fortunately, it looks like it worked out. Another sabotage question. Did Dan Campbell sabotage the Packers or did the Packers sabotage themselves? On I don't know if anybody sabotaged. I think the Lions just beat them. Yeah. They just beat the Packers. And one of the things was there was a little bit of a sense of aggressiveness of uh, we have nothing to lose. Let's go out there and do this. That weird hook and ladder play near the end of the game, right? Like they pointed out on the broadcast, if the Lions are still in the playoff hunt, do they run that play? Do they risk that running that play? They, they might They're because they're nuts. <laughs> but I mean, I think the Lions are the better team this year. And so they went out there and showed that they were the better team this year. And they're not the better team by very much. And the close score shows they're not the better team by very much. So, you know, I mean, I think it was a good game between two teams that are close to each other. But I, you know, as a non-Packers fan, I'm happy to not have to deal with Aaron Rodgers anymore. I'm happy to not have to deal with Aaron Rodgers. And one of the things... Like this opens up another offseason of discontent to Aaron Rodgers and just talking to radio hosts and there are. But I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna pull this up real quick. We're well, already I feel like if they made that last playoff spot and then went to San Francisco and got destroyed. Yeah, wouldn't it be the same offseason of discontent? It would be. It'd be more hilarious. Actually, I don't know if it even would be more hilarious because having them lose on a hook and lateral in a game where and and Jim. Jim uh, Stein Schulte brings up Quay Walker. That was an ugly situation. The Rizul Douglas thing on the field goal was a weird, bizarre situation. And you had Aaron, you had Rodgers heaving the ball, heaving these YOLO balls downfield. 
One interception was called back. Almost identical play that kind of kills it in the, in the fourth quarter. He had, an, he had an Aaron Jones fumble as they're moving in. So many things where it looked like sort of self-destructive behavior on the part of the Green Bay Packers. Um, I want to bring this up. We've already got odds. Uh, this comes to me from one of these people who sends things to reporters from the U.S. betting report. Odds on what Aaron Rodgers will do next year. Green Bay Packers, plus 270. Retirement, plus 340. Raiders, plus 700. I'll give you the Jets at plus 1150. Any thoughts on these? That last one would be hilarious because it would be like, it would be absolutely following the Favre timeline. He can't, he's not a free agent, right? Like he would have to force a trade. Yes. Well, he, yeah, the, the way the contract is set up, he had to force a trade. I think they control his rights, but they'll probably have to do an extension or something to actually keep his rights. It's a very touchy situation. Um, I mean, I think, I don't know. It's, it's because of Brady. I don't try to guess anymore whether these guys are going to retire or not. Cause when I think it makes sense for them to retire, they don't. Right. I agree. I agree. And then when you think, well, this is the impossible maneuver, Brady, it can mm-hmm. happen. You, you, you retire, you come back, you, you get, you get traded. You know, the Russell Wilson, that's an impossible trade. It happens. So. Yeah. So, I mean, Rogers could get himself traded. I, I suppose if he goes to green Bay and says, look, I don't want to be here anymore. It's either trade me or I'm going to retire. Then they might as well get something for him. And I right. think in that case, the idea that he would, re- they would rather send him to the AFC Makes right. sense. So Raiders and Jets makes makes sense. Yes, we also have the Miami Dolphins on that list at plus eleven fifty. Now keep in mind, some of these are like estimated odds. They, they're put out by publicists. I don't think you can get this right. action anywhere. If I was taking that action, I would probably just take the Packers because the status quo has always been the status quo. This is the this is the couple that never divorces but never stops fighting, and you yeah. they, it might as well just happen for another year. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I would think the Packers should be an even money, not plus two seventy. Right, right. If, if somebody was offering that, I would take it in a heartbeat. Now, like this isn't really a sabotage, but we had a space available for coach firing news, and Cliff Kingsbury has been fired. Steve Kahn has stepped down. Aaron, how stunned, how absolutely deeply shocked are you by this news? Don't I look shocked? My God, man, you're, you're in a fugue state. This is- I mean, <laughs> the Cardinals crashed out this year. When yeah. you combine the Cardinals' crash this year with the constant second-half declines every year of Kingsbury's career and with the personal issues that apparently exist between him and Kyler Murray, right. well, you're not moving on from Kyler Murray, so you got to move on from Cliff Kingsbury. And um, now it's sort of an interesting idea of is that, like, how how attractive a job is that? Because you get Kyler Murray, but you don't get him right, right away. Right. And with time stepping away, you don't know like how is personnel going to be handled? Well, I would I would um if I'm the Cardinals, I hire my GM first. I probably would too. Unless it's unless you're making a Sean Payton pitch, then unless you're making a Sean Payton pitch, if you're hiring a young up-and-coming offensive mind to work with Kyler right. Murray. You start with a GM, and then the GM hires the young up-and-coming offensive mind that he can work with. Right. And if I'm one of these young coordinators, I probably leap – offensive coordinators specifically, I leap at this chance. 
you do get Merry. If Merry's damaged goods, you get the mulligan of Merry being damaged goods coming off of the injury that might be more serious than we think. I think I would rather have I would rather have Murray coming off an ACL injury and mm. missing the first few weeks of the season, but the build around Murray than to try to resuscitate Russell Wilson. But I would rather have Walton family money than whatever <laughs> Bidwell is going to pay. But the money's the money, you know, especially at the young coordinator. You're not going to get Peyton Bucks. You're going to get like a nice chunk. Although who knows? Matt Rule got like insane amounts of money with like, hey, look at me. I coached Temple. So I guess anything is possible. Uh, Jim asks, should the Cardinals use this regime change and Murray's injury try pull up a quick reset or roster salary cap? It is tricky to combine the injury and the contract situation for Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray is also in year one of his contract. You can void all those extensions to GMs and coaches without cap implications. You can't just move Murray's contract when it's year one. All the goofy money is sitting there in years 2023, 2024. Possible? Yes, everything's possible, as we said. Likely seems unlikely. You you would have to take a dive bomb year. I mean, it would, like Russell Wilson, except the difference is Murray is much younger than Wilson. So right. do you really want to do that? Right, right. I think the, the more logical maneuver is, uh, I don't, you don't have him sit out. You do not have Murray sit out of the season. You sit out when, you have him play when he's ready to play. There's all these guys who are bridge quarterbacks who could be sitting around that you could grab as bridge quarterbacks. So you yeah. grab your percent or somebody and you go with it. Hopkins is gone. They will deal Hopkins. Good. Everybody yeah. seems to feel that way. There is um, the New England media is uh, very excited about this possibility of Kingsbury and Hopkins as a group deal for mm. the Patriots, mm. Uh, mm. which sounds like, you know, mm. uh, it, it sounds like something that would not happen, but would be perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. It's like it's, it's a pipe dream. It's a pipe dream, but it's a really good pipe dream. What do the Patriots is, need? Oh, a number one receiver and an offensive coordinator. Well, here's here you go. Number one receiver and an offensive coordinator. Have them both. <laughs> right. And Kingsbury does have a little bit of a background there, but like I played there briefly, might not be the background to say, hey, I'm going to jump in to the saddle as offensive coordinator. Right. The story is that Kingsbury got his start in coaching with the Patriots using him as a coaching intern when he was on IR in 2003 or whatever. Right. Whatever. I don't know how much that means. It doesn't. I think the Bill O'Brien possibility is a lot better. And I don't know if the Patriots are really trading the 14th overall pick for DeAndre Hopkins at this point, given Hopkins' age. Maybe, yeah. they, could get him, maybe they could get him for a second. I, it could, that could happen. That could could be a salary dumpy element to it. Although Nuke is still Nuke, I think he's going to he would get a bidding war. You know, you yeah, have. Teams. I don't think a first, but maybe the second. Maybe the second would get him. Right, right. You know, teams like the Giants would put a lot on the table, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. and yeah, I think the Cliff Kingsbury, who is a young up and comer, twenty three year old, is different from this guy now. I think in terms of expectations, ego management, ability to get along with people, I'm not certain he's going to fit snugly in Belichick's plan right now. Now, let's get onto the games a little bit. Uh, we got six wild cards coming up, and I'm going to ask you, which of next week's games are you most looking forward to? That is tough. I think I am most looking forward to the Jaguars and the Chargers 
because it's a little bit of a prove it for DVOA because we have the Jaguars higher than the Chargers and because exactly. it should be an exciting offensive battle, right? Should be exactly. a lot of offense in that game. And the two closest games should be that game and the battle of the frauds between the Vikings <laughs> and the Giants. And I'm honestly more, I think, more excited for the battle battle of the internet quarterbacks Yes. Rather than the Battle of the Frauds. Well, frauds. You know, let's, you know, I've said all year I don't like calling the Vikings frauds, so I'm kind of joking, but you know what I mean, right? right. The Vikings and the Giants is the battle of the teams that way outplayed their DPOA and their advanced stats of all kinds, and uh, and the Jaguars and Chargers is the battle of the internet quarterbacks. And I think especially, you know, Baltimore-Cincinnati games are fun if Lamar Jackson plays, but he yeah. seems like he's, you know, vaporware at this point. So, yes, yeah. I'm hoping to see him crash through the door and make that game interesting. I don't have high hopes. Don't call them frauds. They're flukes. They're not. Yeah, frauds. they're 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 interesting. They're historically yeah. interesting. They're like flat little fishies. They're flukes. They're, I, I'm kind of in the same place. I, I want to see these two quarter. I want to see them ball out. I want to see this wild. Who's next? Who's now? Matchup. It helps that it's the Saturday game because in the Saturday games, I'm not sitting there at my computer like like this. It sounds like it's going to be a fun game. I'll tell you, for me, the Battle of the Flukes is the least interesting game. I just don't find watching the Vikings like rewarding in any way. I'm I'm sort of waiting for the there there the, for something to happen. Yeah, with the it. problem with Battle of the Flukes is, aren't you yeah. just waiting for the the winner to lose the next week? Yeah, like who's. Who is a more what's a more interesting game like Jacksonville or the Chargers at Kansas City or the winner of Battle of the Flukes playing either San Francisco or Philly like you feel like okay well that's when that's when it ends for Minnesota or the Giants in the next yeah. round right so why are we care about this round that much whereas the Jaguars or the Chargers might be kind of uppity right absolutely exactly they could be they they could be the team with house money going on like that whole thing which Maybe you could say about the Giants, but I, I don't necessarily know. So, so would the Battle of the Flukes be your least anticipated game of next week? Uh, please don't. Well, I, I mean, I'm going to watch them all because this is yeah. what I do for a living. Right. But I'm not looking forward to Skylar Thompson against the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> I mean, I, I would much rather watch Battle of the Flukes and the interesting, you know, how did the Giants manage to have a top 10 offense by DVOA? And Justin Jefferson is awesome. And uh, I'd love, much rather watch that than Skylar Thompson, like Josh Allen just creaming the Miami defense and then Skylar Thompson coming out and doing nothing. I, I don't know. I find the Bills fascinating to watch. If it's this 41 to 3 blowout, then it's like, oh, that's what it is. If the Bills get in their own way, as they are want to do, that could be interesting. And also there could be a weather impact game. There's all these other elements to it that like, I find them kind of entertaining because they're, they're usually out there like, like making a show one way or the other. So I don't, I don't hate that one as much. I'll tell you, I take no joy in watching the Buccaneers at all. Oh. You know? Yeah, boy, they're really in decline. Like their season long numbers are really not that bad, but they're um, all the weighted numbers are that bad their defense has declined and their passing game has declined and their running game is never there to begin with. And 
I do. I mean, the thing is, there is so much narrative around Prescott and around Brady, and that's sort of interesting. And I really would like to see Prescott put the Buccaneers out of their misery and yeah. get himself over the playoff hump a little bit. But, yes. Because um, I'm sick and tired of of blaming Dak Prescott for things that are not really his fault. Yes, but also it'd be nice if he didn't hand the other team a touchdown a week. Every so often, yes. <laughs> like the four times in the last five weeks. Um, but uh, one thing I noticed about the Buccaneers, I was doing some research. According to Pro Football Reference, they their running game, they only had nine broken tackles all year. Now, I went over to Sports Info Solutions, and they often have different numbers. It was all up to, I believe, 13 broken tackles. Oh, okay. <laughs> Which was still... I think eight lower than the next lowest team. And like Lenny had like four and the other guy had four and then Keyshawn Vaughn had one or two. It's so frustrating to watch. Cause first of all, you're like, well, they're running the ball too much. They're running the ball too much because they're getting nothing, absolutely nothing out of it. And right. it's just. Any, any running is too much right now with that team. Right. Absolutely. So we just talked about the Skylar Thompson experience. Bills, it's now minus 11, by the yep. way. Yep. But Bills, Bills minus 11. Still taking it. You're taking it. Yep. I might take it too. As soon as we're 100% confirmed it's Skyler, and I think it's Skyler, I think I feel comfortable with that. How when about it becomes this? 100% confirmed it's Skyler, that will become minus 13. Okay. Is that is that official number? Even minus, even minus 11, I think, has some Tua built into it. Okay. Okay. I don't know, man. We get down to 13. Josh Allen throwing that red zone interception or two. I, I don't know. Skyler was horrendous yesterday. I don't know if you watched. You were watching the, the Patriots, I think. I was watching the Patriots, yeah. Yeah, I was watching that nightmare that was Flacco versus Skyler. And I have never seen more quarterbacks throw the ball away out of bounds off their back foot more often than I watched in that game. It was as if you you scored a point. If you backtrack, threw off your back foot and threw it out of bounds. If that, like, um, that was the rouge or something. <laughs> I was exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say it's called a rouge. <laughs> yeah, it, it was like it was a rouge. Uh, but so yeah, maybe minus thirteen makes sense there. What about the 49ers? They're minus ten right now. Uh, I'll give a little hint for people since we haven't put up the uh, picks yet. The projected line right now for San Francisco, Seattle from our FO plus picks is minus 10. Really? So we're right on the number? Right on the number. We're right on the number. Well, then I'll pivot to this question. I think right now the 49ers right now are the best team in the NFL. Weighted DVOA would agree with you. And I keep waiting for the shoe to drop. Like I keep waiting for, okay, so – Purdy's going to be okay instead of great, and their offense is going to be like good instead of great. And then we'll all know going forward that Purdy's not as good as Garoppolo, and you know that's kind of what we all expect. But it's not happening, right? Right. And you do reach a point where you say, well, inevitably this has to happen, and your only argument in favor of that is, well, that's what always happens. Not anything. Right. It's been six games, and with each game of this, we have more evidence that this is real. And, I mean, I still think there's a chance that Purdy shows that he's not as good as Garoppolo, but it's much less of a chance than it was after two or three games. I'm just looking up something real quick. 
I, I'm working on some stuff for walkthroughs later in the week. Net line of scrimmage per drive. Now, tonight, folks realize you, you, know, you start your drive, your average drive, you start at a 22-yard line. The, your opponent starts their drive at the 25-yard line. That's a minus three net differential. You know, I, I like to think of that as like the, the blood pressure of a team. Because it's like you can take the blood pressure there and oh, your blood pressure is fine. That means you're probably healthy. If it's super high, it means you probably have a lot of health issues. Net differential, number one in the NFL, the for, the 49ers. Net line of scrimmage differential, 5.24 yards per drive. Second place is 2.89 yards per drive. The Lions almost double the second place team. And, and the 49ers are first in defensive starting field position, first in offensive starting field position. This is a team that's just is beating you in every like little way. Every little dial that can get turned is turned and pushing you and, and tilting the field against you. It's amazing. Yes, the top defense in the league this year and close to the top offense if you take out week one. Wow. Wow. Absolutely un- unbelievable. With a seventh-round rookie quarterback. seventh-round rookie quarterback for one-third of it. For one-third of the season. Sleepy Time Junction asks, Mike McDaniel still at risk of losing his job, yes or no? Show about the top out last week. The factor for me, and I'll let you answer. We are waiting on the whole idea of Stephen Ross, Michigan School of Business alumni, and his possible flirtations with Jim Harbaugh, University of Michigan coach, who swore that while he cannot predict the future, he swore that he thinks he'll be coaching Michigan maybe in 2023. So the factor here is not so much McDaniel's performance. Let's see. Gets an upset. I think he gets an upset. He's safe. But what Ross thinks, Harbaugh thinks, and what sort of back channel conversations they may have had. Yeah. What about you, Aaron? I would agree. If they beat the Bills, it would be really, it would look really bad to fire yeah. McDaniel. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. don't forget, not you would be firing. You after after having your draft pick vacated, vacated. For trying to poach coaches, you would be firing a, let's not forget this, even though he doesn't look like it, African-American head coach after he beat, after he upset possibly the best team in the conference right? in the playoffs. Dream on. That is not happening. Right. Where your storyline around firing him is, well, your starting quarterback who was having a Pro Bowl season got concussed multiple times and he had to drag the third string out there. So the optic of this would be horrendous. I said if they get blown out. And the Stephen Ross, I don't give a damn factor about optics or the Rooney rule or yeah. common sense. Uh, that, that creates this wild card where we can't sit here as like rational, objective people and be like, well, that's, that's this, that's that. That's and this. yes, by the way, if they fired Mike McDaniel, that would be two African-American coaches in consecutive years. Right. Just like Houston. Yes. All the while with these pipe dreams about Sean Payton and Tom Brady and Harbaugh floating around in the wind. And, I mean, I don't know if the NFL would do anything besides vacate a pick, um, but it would it would just look terrible. It would just look terrible. And no – He did a good job. Yeah. yeah. The, the only question I had, I think we talked about this before, about McDaniel, is the handling of the early concussions. Yes. And I don't know how much stock to put in, how much comes down from on high, how much comes up from the training staff. Um, it's, you know, so like that is what it is. I feel like he obviously deserves another year to try and get out there with Tua and company. Yeah, he deserves to try to have a full year with Tagovailoa. Yeah. 
I am not Stephen Ross. I am not Fergie. I'm not J-Lo. I cannot make these decisions. All right, let's switch gears for a minute because the Hall of Fame class was, uh, Hall of Fame finalist class was announced Wednesday night, I believe. So these are the 15 finalists for the Hall of Fame. Um, and they're not, it's not hard to find the list. Look up, obviously it's headlined by Joe Thomas and Daryl Rivas. Um, Dwight Freeney is on the uh, list for the first time. Um, Darren Woodson and Albert Lewis made the finals list for the first time, even though they were players from about 15, 20 years ago who will soon become seniors committee selections if they can't get in on the regular committee. Lots of other people, uh, Tory Holt, Reggie Wayne, Zach Thomas, Devin Hester, Demarcus Ware, Jared Allen. Oh my gosh. I think I named just about everybody. Rondé Barber. I'm going to ask you, Aaron, give me your five. Here's my five, not who I think will make it, but who I would put in. Gotcha. Joe Thomas and Daryl Rivas to start with. Joe Thomas and Re- Thomas and Revis get it. Okay. Right. I like Patrick Willis a little bit more than Zach Thomas. Okay. Uh, I just feel he was a little bit more transcendent. Okay. I like Demarcus Ware the best of all of the pass rushers. Okay. And I think Andre Johnson has a good case that if you look at the quarterbacks that he was saddled with compared to some of the other wide receivers, he's the one who deserves to go in. Okay. Now I say, so my, my five is Thomas and Revis, Ware, mm-hmm. Andre Johnson, and Patrick Willis. But there's this element of waiting, right, where it's like it's not Andre Johnson's turn yet. It's not necessarily Willis's. Willis's turn is after Zach Thomas, right? Yeah. Like Andre Johnson's turn is after Holt and Wayne. And so I don't think that's the five that actually will go in, but that would be my five. You just left Zach Thomas out because you're a Patriots homer. I know you. I know you. Uh, no, I mean, everybody's <laughs> not the linebacker, right? But, no, I mean, I, I just feel like Willis was more, like, dominant. I, I've gotten to talk to a couple of the Hall of Fame voters, and all this is off the record. Um, there's a lot of conversations that are exactly like what you said. There's a, Especially, I'm going to use Andre Johnson as the example. And it's like, Johnson looks like he's this much better than Wayne and Holt. Um, like, when you actually, look, like, size them up guy to guy to guy to guy but then we have the reality of they're all neck and neck if you look at every other accomplishment along the way you've got guys who are on super bowl teams versus a guy who's like yeah he climbed the texans up to you know 10 and 6 in those matt Schaub years etc and when you put those all together and you factor in holt and wayne um it's going to very possibly log jam like the easiest thing is actually the guy who was first of the three to get it on there is actually slightly better than the three. Whenever you have this, they're super close. And the guy coming up behind looks like he's better. It's creating this log jam. And one thing to keep in mind, they don't sit down at the meeting and say, Hey, why don't we just do bit, bit, bit. They never like fully say that, or they very rarely say anything like that. They also, they never say, Hey, if you just, just get Holt in next year, I guarantee you I'll get you Johnson next year. They never <laughs> do something like that. We'd be better off if they did. One guy that, Probably is like Brian is listening. I think he has opinions on this. Devin Hester. Yeah. A lot of support in the room. A lot of support from former players. And based on what I'm here and coaches, based on what I'm hearing, I would be, I would say of the, after okay, the top two are in, Revis is in, Thomas is in, I don't think that's an issue. Hester might have the best chance of everybody else on that list. 
Yeah, I understand that that's the case. I wouldn't I wouldn't make the case, but uh, you know, I, I I'm not a believer in Hester the uh, Hall of Famer, but I understand yeah. the narrative. Like if you if if it's the Hall of Fame, right, right, right. I mean, if it's um, it's not like hey, statistically, is a return man as valuable as a player at other positions? And oh, by the way, was Hester really the best return man of all time? Right, like, right. no. Let's talk about fame. Yeah. Hester, the most famous return man of all time, the one who caused the most fear in opposing teams, even if he was not the best. Yeah. So that is what a lot of what goes into the Hall of Fame voting. Yeah. And the, and the other part of that, and this is where, because I'm with you, it's like, he, if Steve Smith was a return man his entire career, he would have blown Devin Hester away as a return man. Unfortunately, Steve Smith was also went from receiver to return man to starting receiver because he was good. Right. And they needed him to do more. And now he's stuck at semifinalist stage because he's stuck behind Johnson and the the Holton and Wayne. Brian brings up Billy White Shoes Johnson. His name comes up in conversations. Brian Mitchell's name comes up in conversations. The outstanding return man. But when the phone rings and it's an ex-player and an ex-coach, and you're a voter, and they, and they start going to town on like like. He did this to it. Like we had to, we didn't game plan this. You know, some coach comes on. We put all of our starters on special teams. We, you know, kicked all these other things. When you start doing that, like if if, if I got the, this thing start buzzing right now, I'd ch- probably change my opinion significantly. Um, and I think yeah. that's one of the things that's happening. I mean, I understand ex-players and ex-GMs uh, and coaches, and they have a lot of impact on how these guys vote. Right. And so I do, I agree with you. I wouldn't be, I would not be surprised at all if Hester gets in. Right. Right. He may very well get in. You're right in terms of the linebackers. I think a lot of people love Patrick Willis and they just want to say, okay, Zach Thomas this year, Patrick Willis next year. Let's let, let's actually happen. I think that's actually how that's going to go down. I think last year that was going to go down and there was a full court press for Sam Mills. And that's why Zach Thomas did not get in. Right. Um, but th- that's the kind of thing that's happening. Coyle's in, Coyle. Derek Snyder. Yeah, was is Coriel was last year's senior committee? This year, now remember, coaches and contrib- this year's senior committee. This year's senior committee, which is also the coaches and contributors committee, right. finally has Coriel in there. Now he has to get rubber stamped. He will get rubber stamped. Um, the problem with Don Coriel, Derek, is that for years coaches were put in and owners and everybody were put on the same list as the players. So you might be looking at a list and say, okay, Brett Favre and Don Coriel. And, you know, George Young, you know, some team owner uh, who's on the list and like the Hall of Fame people on the background being like, you know, he's going to contribute a lot of money. So like there were a lot of things like that. And that's why Coriel always got stuck in this thing. He wasn't a head coach with three Super Bowl rings where he could get to the top of the list. He was like we had to talk about impact and things and he couldn't get he couldn't push past players. That's that's what happened. All right. Oh. Do we have an ad read here, uh, Aaron? <laughs> well, we should remind people to use. I don't have it in front of me. I didn't print it off. Oh, me either. Underdog, Underdog Fantasy. Underdogfantasy.com does sponsor our show, and they do have playoff best ball tournaments. And this is your time Yes. to get in on playoff best ball tournaments. And there are prizes, and I have no idea how much the prizes are, but they're there, and they're cash. Right. So, um, you know, they've got their over-under games also, which is basically like picking player props. Uh, Even in states where player props are not legal, like my state. But, uh, I mean, the big thing right now is playoff best ball tournaments. 
So right. uh, go to underdogfantasy.com or uh, get Underdog Fantasy on your favorite app store and use the code OUTSIDERS for a $100 deposit match and it makes us look good. Code OUTSIDERS on Underdog Fantasy. Excellent. Thank you. I went full Kevin Smith there. I forgot there was supposed to be an ad read during a podcast. Also, like and subscribe on whatever you watch this on. Yes. Okay. Remember that 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 helps us get engaged, helps us continue bringing you content, puts us in the eyeballs of other humans out there who might love to hear. And be aware of the playoff schedule, the playoff schedule, which is Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, 1 p.m. Mm-hmm. Eastern. Me and Mike on Monday, Kale and Jackson on Wednesday, me and Mike on Thursday. That's the playoff schedule, 1 p.m. Eastern, all those shows. Right. All throughout the playoffs. We're even working on some stuff. See, Super Bowl week, Aaron and I will be at the Super Bowl. Yes, we will be in Phoenix. So uh, hopefully we will have some guests. I don't quite know how we're going to, we're going to like, Two of us are going to sit next to each other on the same camera, or they're going to just be on their laptops next to us. But we hope to get some guests from Phoenix. And, of course, Mike will also be at the Senior Bowl in Mobile the week before. So we're trying to figure yes. out how to handle that as well. Yeah, we did We did do a sound check last week before you came on, Aaron. I think we're working on a sound check for this week. I might try to do Thursday's show from a coffee house, from a hipster Ooh. coffee house. The hipsters are losing hipster their minds. Hipster coffee houses. Yes. They're losing their minds about Justin Herbert there. Yes. Um, but we're not we're not doing winner and loser of the week this week. It's I think we've covered the the most obvious winners and losers. Obviously, it was a week that was, um, you know, impacted to a great degree by Demar Hamlin. Uh, you know, the encouraging health news that we got from him, and lots of tributes that the league did, very appropriate, very touching, heartfelt tributes around the league that kind of made this week feel special in a different way from the playoffs and, and all the drama of the NFL. And I, w- I wanted to ask you, Aaron, was there a, an inspirational moment for you from this week? I mean, seeing DeMar Hamlin tweet regularly throughout the game yes. was inspirational. And even though it was against my team, that first kick return touchdown on the first play of the game, the fact that the Bills scored a touchdown on the first play of the game yes, was inspirational. Yeah. Right. And, and to hear the crowd. It's mind-blowing that the Patriots stayed in that game after that moment. It was. It was. They played very, very hard. Yeah. Mac had one of his better games this year. Josh Allen threw an interception in the red zone. because If momentum exists, that had to be the greatest emotional momentum moment I can remember. Right. Right. Like, other than Steve Gleason's punt block, maybe after. No, that's it. That's it. That's it. That is the most. But this was. This was pretty huge, too. It was pretty huge. And for me, it was seeing not just, okay, Hamlin tweeted out a a love to my brothers, things like that. And then he kept tweeting. Like, he's like commented, he commented several times on the game and everything. And, you know, you and I, especially at our age, we have have people, uh, like, get sick and we lose track of them and we try to keep up with them in, like, health emergencies. And then you see them again on Facebook. Like they were gone for a while, you knew maybe they were hospitalized, and then you see, and 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 they're talking about their dog again or things like that. Like the road to recovery and, and how we perceive it now for so many of us is: Are they still on the social networking? Are they on their screens? Are they chit chatting, doing the things that we think of, especially since twenty twenty, as everyday life? Now, of course, everyday life for Hamlin would have been to be out there, 
but to be able to be like, oh yeah, there's a touchdown, things like that. Really, I find that that's as moving as anything that happened on the field, the recognition that like, yeah, I'm at a place now where we can talk about things again. And hopefully we'll be seeing him released sometime soon and, and from the hospital and get a chance to go back to being himself. Yeah, I agree. It was, it was, it was awesome. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, somebody did just mention Lovey Smith was fired as well. We did talk about that a little bit, um, and it was no surprise. And we wish the best for Lovey. And I have no idea what's going to happen with the Houston Texans because D'Amico Ryan's says he doesn't want the job. He doesn't want the job. I don't think Josh McCown wants to just get promoted at this point. It could be anyone. Some young coordinator will take the job. Yeah, but yes. I mean that that organization is a fire hazard. That's it. The worst 32 job NFL jobs, and that's the 32nd five. I'm just sitting here going, don't swear, don't swear. Think of something to say that isn't swearing. Describe the Houston Texans organization without swearing. All right. Are, are we allowed not allowed to swear? Is that an official? No, we're not. It's not FCC regulated. We probably uh probably can uh we can probably so I don't care, you know. I I again you're you're the president of the company. I mean Yeah, I suppose I make the decisions, but it's just right. not a good show. It's a bad show. Let's. Yeah, it, it it doesn't when it just becomes that understood. And it sounds like you made the decision because you said don't swear. So the decision has been made. Always a PG at worst show here at Football Outsiders live stream. I think we're done here. Aaron, thank you very much for coming on as always on Mondays. Don't forget, you'll see us on Wednesday. And that's uh, which show is Wednesday? Wednesday will be Kale Clinton and Jackson Roberts doing the news show. Nice. And, and Thursday will be us with a guest of some sort previewing weekend's games. Right. And there'll be plenty of coach firing news for the guys on Wednesday. Until then, don't forget to like and subscribe. Don't forget to go to Underdog Fantasy and use the promo code OUTSIDERS uh, to play your fantasy best ball, play your fantasy uh, uh, playoff games. And until next time, until Thursday, Aaron and Mike, thanks for watching. See you next time.